Hello listeners and welcome once again to another episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania. Now, if you mention the Republic of North Macedonia to many people, you're likely to get a blank look. And in Tasmania, the number of Macedonian migrants could probably be counted on the fingers of your hands. But actually, Macedonians have been a significant part of Australia's migration history, and Melbourne is in fact the largest Macedonian city outside of the country itself. And Blagoja is a Macedonian who came to Tasmania first when he was three, but for reasons that you will hear, uh, returned with his parents to Macedonia and uh, grew up there from the age of six, but then returned to Australia as an adult and eventually settled in Tasmania with his wife. And they've lived in Hobart for seven years now, as well as some interesting observations about some of the cultural differences between Australia and Macedonia. Blagoja also talks about his longtime passion for parkour, something that he practiced for, I think, over 15 years and even led to a role as a stuntman in a Mad Max movie in Sydney. Now, if that doesn't make you want to hear more, then I don't know what will. I was born in Macedonia. I was brought up in Macedonia, except for the three years when I was young, from three to six, where my parents all, my whole family moved down to Tasmania for those three years. And why did they come to Tasmania? So... Back in the day then, my aunt and uncle um, were wanted to move out of Macedonia. So he was an electrical engineer and he got a job from Hydro in uh-huh. Queenstown. So that's, that's how they ended up in, in Tasmania. And later on, when my family moved, we didn't have any intentions of staying anywhere outside of Macedonia. It was just going to be a temporary thing to move away from the Yugoslavia falling apart and all the the whole messy period that was within that. (laughs) So we just sort of moved away just to make sure that we're not going to run into any conflicts and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So was that in the period of just uh, independence or before independence? It was 1995, I believe. Okay. Exactly. That's exactly the year when we moved. Um, So probably after after the independence and all that but it was just generally pretty messy and bad at the time um yeah. and there was uh, a war in uh belgrade which is just north from where we lived very very nearby just like a four-hour drive so yeah that was that was mainly the reason to get as far as possible from to get as far as possible <laughs> from that um so yeah we we moved to, to tassie stayed here for about three years as a kid which i have no memory of really okay. and then moved back and Pretty much grew up in Macedonia ever since. And whereabouts in uh, Macedonia did your family live? Uh, Skopje, the Skopje, capital. The capital. Yes. Yeah. And what do you remember from sort of your childhood, um, going to school and so on in in Skopje? I remember everything. <laughs> yeah. What was it like? Uh, just like any other country, I guess. So normal city, normal place to live in. Um, probably slightly poorer country than Australia in comparison, but uh, it has its own different qualities, I guess. I'd say the one thing that I really miss that you don't really see here is the closeness that people have over there. Uh, just generally like family, friends and neighbours, they're all very they're all very close to each other. They all know each other. They all wave to each other. You'll have like a random friend come by unannounced and just knock on the door and then immediately after the knock open the door not even wait for someone to let him in because of how close they are neighbors and stuff like that will just come in and sit down for a drink or for lunch and i just sort of grew up in a neighborhood where everyone knew everyone and everyone was close to everyone and whenever you were bored 
you would just literally walk out the door and there's like a park somewhere nearby or a place like a gathering place for the suburb where you would always find a whole heap of people that you know and friends so yeah always around a lot of people that are, that I knew whereas here I found that that that's uh, a lot different here you might you'll maybe know your neighbor and you might wave to them once or twice but you'll never actually be proper friends with them not not in that not to that stage anyway I've, I've got like a couple of friends that I've really grown up with ever since I was ever since I can remember and the, I'm so so one of them is my best man I'm another one's best man and yes and so on all three of us they're just really really close and pretty much every memory from my childhood I have is with either one or the other or all of us together so more more like brothers than friends really just a different level of closeness, I think. <laughs> so I've got friends here as well, of course, but n- n- nothing that can compare to that. Yeah. yeah. And do, do like your family, like or extended family, live close by? Like, were you connected with them? Um, g- generally speaking, it's not a very big city, so it's probably maybe fifteen minutes from end to end to drive. So it's not a, a lot similar to Hobart in size, just a lot denser. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't take very long to get anywhere anyway. So, yeah, we used to have a lot of uh, cousins come over and family come over and grandmas always would come in and bring some food or something like that and just more of a reason to get together than the actual food. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, always always heaps of people in the family and always always a lot of friends and relatives. And was there a member of your family who was, do you, uh, would you say, was uh, like a big influence on you or had a big impact on you? I'd say my dad, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Another interesting thing about Macedonia, and I, I guess more for a lot of poorer countries around the world, uh, is that people just learn to do everything themselves. Mm-hmm. So very rarely you have like a tradesman or someone to come and try and fix something if you if something breaks down. So a lot of just generally people just learn to fix and cope with any kind of problems that, that happen um so my dad was very very good at sort of finding a solution to fix anything really um and i was always around as a kid to help him do it so we've done a lot of renovations um and just generally problem solving sort of stuff as a kid with him and i think that's turned me into who i am today and i work as a technician so i've probably 80 percent of everything i've learned i've learned growing up with my dad just doing all kinds of random stuff around the house. <laughs> what what kind of work did he do? So he uh, he have a, had a business, a photography business. Okay. So he was uh, doing uh, old fashioned photographs. Now, well, now old fashioned, <laughs> um, and selling cameras and everything to do with uh, video cameras and stuff. Okay. Yeah. So when you say cameras, you mean the old film style? The old film styled, and then probably a few years. In, within the digital he retired because he thought there was no future in, in that business anymore and I think he was probably right because everyone <laughs> has a smartphone nowadays and you don't need a camera anymore. And we grew up with albums and albums of, of old photographs of family members and stuff and he always walked around with a camera in his hands so it was, it was interesting and people, people found it interesting at the time because there was not many, many of them around but mm. yeah, now everyone takes a photo of everything and yeah. Photos are meaningless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he was a photographer as well as a like a salesman. I yes, guess. yes. So he had his own shop, and he also did yeah events and stuff. And what about your what about your mom? 
So my mum still works. She's still not retired. Um, she's got a music school, a private music school for all kinds of instruments and singing and everything to do with music. Um, I believe she's got around 170 students. Right. So it's a pretty big school now. It started off with her uh, just running clivets. So she's a piano uh, teacher. Mm-hmm. She started just teaching piano lessons to kids. And then it grew to a bigger sort of two teachers. So she had to employ another another woman to help out and then it eventually grew into a bigger music school yeah still going i never liked school i hated school as a kid (laughs) um i think part of the reason for that was because um i was six when we moved back from from tasmania to macedonia yeah so i sort of stopped talking on macedonian and switched to english while we were here because i had to had to go to childcare and all that and then it was very hard for me to switch back to macedonian when we moved back and I immediately got thrown into school, and I just didn't didn't know how to interact with the kids very well because of that difference that we had, I guess, in in, mm-hmm. in the culture as well. So I, I I don't know how to put it, but um, I guess kids growing up in Australia are a bit more gentle than they are over there. Like, okay. it just uh, generally, just um, you you can do anything in Macedonia. There's no um, there's no restrictions as a kid. So kids. Just, sort of do whatever they want and what they should and what they shouldn't do growing up and that just turns them into little bastards um, <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it also makes them strong as well in a way and mm-hmm. that also teaches them I believe w- wrong from right like at an early age so you sort of know when you've made a mistake earlier whereas I believe that here uh, from what I can see I think that just kids uh, need that they, they they're not so ripe at that young age they need to uh, i feel like they've just seen a lot less at that young age than what we've seen in in, in so countries mean, like macedonia yeah so you mean they're perhaps a bit more protected I, th- I think so yeah i think they're more protected exactly that that's probably where it comes from just the parents being overprotective of them maybe and and th- so they're a lot more independent like I, we used to go to school all by ourselves whereas here everyone drops their kids off and picks their schools their kids up from school from school with their car I, I i don't think i've ever been picked up from school with a car or, or dropped off I, we had to walk <laughs> or drive a bike later on in school and yep. just we had to just do everything ourselves and i, I think that's I, I think that's in a in a way a good thing because it teaches uh kids they they value more everything they just learn how the world works in reality the the toughness of life from start not just here you go here's some money here's some food here's a car and we'll drop you off you don't have to walk to school you don't have to eat here's a lunchbox we didn't have any of that it was just sort of a little bit of snack money and you you had to leave, like leave school and go out and try and find something to eat for the money that you've been given so i, th- I think it's a very different way of growing up when you're young probably when i was in like grade one to eight i used to have maybe about 20 30 denari which is under a dollar in value in australian currency so that's just called about 70 80 cents a day or something like that roughly um and that would probably get you like just like a basic maybe like a pie or something not even a drink like you'd have to choose whether you want a drink or a pie mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so we didn't starve or anything there was also f- food from the school prepared and stuff like that but i think having having the money at that early age also teaches you about money and value and how you can spend it and stuff like that whereas i think if you don't have access to it at the early age you don't really know what it is and how it works and 
its proper value. I have a twin sister and uh, she was very good at spending money from a young age. She would just go and spend it all right away. Whereas I like to save it and I'd probably save it for a whole week or two weeks and then go buy some toy or some random other thing. <laughs> so everyone was different. But from a young age, you had the you had the choice what you wanted to do with your money. And I, I think that was that was quite nice. And it, it turned me into who I am. That's the whole point of growing up is to to learn about the real world. And the, the longer you hide the real world from your kids, then you delay it more and more. So if you can like upfront tell them that this is how you live life, you have to earn your money and you have to earn your food and earn everything you get, then they they understand the background of their parents going to work and all the rest of it at an earlier age than they would if they wouldn't. So I, I quite like the way I was brought up. I came from a quite wealthy family, but my parents uh, never showed it to us. We never even mm-hmm. knew that we were wealthy. They never gave us like I think every every friend of mine in school probably had more money than I did, like lunch money. And I'm very grateful for that in a way. I hated it at the time, but mm. now it's made me who I am and it's made me um, very good at managing managing my money and, <laughs> and, and, and earning it and everything, I guess. I just, yeah, it's a good life lesson for sure. And you said that you, uh, you never really liked school. What was it that you didn't like? Well, it sort of didn't fit in the first few years. Okay. Um, just that transition, the, the moving from Tasmania to there was was really hard for me because kids just had a lot more like rougher games, for example, like uh, hitting and stuff like that was like mm. a, a part of it, I guess, of growing up in Macedonia. It was fine. Uh, not not bullying as such. I'm not talking about that sort of thing. I'm just talking about the roughness of the games. Okay. Um, and for me, it was just shocking moving from, from Tasmania, how not careful they were. And if, if you got hit and you went to the teacher and said, oh, hit, someone hit me, they'll be like, and why did you come to me? <laughs> Go and, you know, solve, solve your problem on your own. Sort of diff, very different way of, 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 of different approach, I guess. Um, and it was a bit hard for the first few years for me to get used to the this new method of making friends and playing games and and sort of acting and reacting to all these new things. But that's that's why at the beginning I also mentioned that uh, kids are tougher growing up there than they are here because that's there's not... Uh, I think there's more t- teachers and punishments and everything to do here to, to prevent, you know, bullying and all that. So did, did, did things sort of change for you as you went to high school or, or did you still hate school? Uh, I, I think it just stuck. I just always hated school. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hence why I'm a tradie. I didn't, wasn't wasn't very good at studying. No, well, I was good at studying. I just didn't like doing it. So yeah. every chance I'd get, I'd go out and do sports, and everything else was more interesting than going to school for me. I guess I was just one of those kids that didn't really ever enjoy studying and reading books. So what did what what did you like to do at that? sort of in your teens rather than school i was rollerblading very seriously okay. uh, with a few friends like in skate parks and stuff and then i broke my wrist i think i was 14 when i did that and my parents took my rollerblades away because i was kept getting injured all the time um and then when i broke my wrist it, it was pretty bad it ended up having surgery and physiotherapy for a year and whatnot so they took my rollerblades away in a way to prevent me from hurting myself but what what that it just made me worse because then I <laughs> I went to stunts and parkour from that because I couldn't do it anymore with my rollerblades on so I had to make up something else so I started okay. going and doing flips with my shoes on 
they couldn't take that away from me. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I was I was into into stunts and parkour for fifteen years, maybe. I, yeah, right. Yeah, pretty long time. They took it very seriously. I had a parkour school. I was teaching kids, and I was teaching kids in in Sydney later on. Um, you know, I was twenty one. I I figured I'd go and see this foreign country australia i had the passport sitting around gathering dust for all these years and i thought i'm old enough now i can go and see whether i like it or not so ended up in sydney and i was teaching classes for stunts in a stunt gym in brookvale in sydney so when you were sort of getting towards the end of high school did you have some sort of plan or ambition about what you wanted to do um, not really. Um, not at that age. I didn't really know uh, where I was headed and what direction I was headed in. I just really loved sports and um, always liked being independent. So I, that's part of the reason why I sort of went to Sydney at that age. So the moving on my own was a brave decision to, I don't know, get more independent. Only lasted about two years and then I couldn't handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I was too young for the sudden change and everything. So then I moved back to Macedonia and and why did you why did you choose Sydney to go to? I don't know. It just looked like the prettiest city out of all. I mean, I just googled everything and I went, "Yep, this looks nice. I'll go here." <laughs> it didn't really matter to me. I had no friends or anything wherever I was going to go anyway. So I just chose Sydney and I quite liked it. Yeah, it was pretty good. I, th- I think I was, yeah, I was, I was too young at the time. I was just, I missed my family, my friends, and everything. And I just, mm-hmm. so at one point, it was just a bit too much. So I thought, I'm not ready for this, and I moved, moved back. And then a few years later, with my, with my current wife, we decided to move together again. And then mm-hmm. we went to Sydney for a start. I only spent about three months there. I had a completely different opinion about it this time around because okay. I wasn't, I wasn't 20 anymore. I was. Was I twenty six? I think I was. I was a bit older, and we're looking at looking at the city from a different perspective now. I guess there was a lot of job opportunities, but it was also very expensive for us, and we didn't have a lot of money when we moved down. So we wanted to. We ran out of money very quickly, and we had two choices: move back to Macedonia, which would have been a little bit like giving up, which we didn't want to do, or move somewhere smaller and try and make a start there. And we thought we'd come here to Tasmania. I had the aunt here and came in with her, stayed with her for a couple of weeks until we found a rental and made a fresh start here. What, what were the reasons for choosing Tasmania? I mean, I guess you already had your aunt here. but we- It was mainly my my auntie. That was mm-hmm. probably it. It was just easier to, to have someone pick you up from the airport and give you a bed until you can figure things out. <laughs> yeah, new system, new rules, new laws, new everything. It's not, not easy to make that decision to move. It takes takes a fair bit of while until you get used to it and sort of feel like you actually fit in yeah. so it was just a lot easier to go to somewhere where we had a little bit of initial help what made you stay in the end just the lifestyle i really mm. like uh, i like that it's a smaller city it reminds me more of where i am from i, I, I guess scorpia is a bigger city it's got probably about 800,000 maybe 900,000 people and a lot denser but it's still not massive like Sydney or Melbourne. Doesn't have that many, that many people in it, and it just felt a little bit closer to home, I guess, mm-hmm. with all the shops being nearby and travel time to work being so close. And also, one of the biggest reasons was real estate. We we could have never afford to buy anything in Sydney. Prices were too high, but we could 
we and we did do it here so i think the whole startup was easier in a smaller place than it would have been in a big city we gave up on sydney pretty quickly so i can't say for sure i don't know maybe we would have had different opportunities and a different life if we stayed but at the time we thought that the right decision was to go somewhere smaller and my wife was from another city that was tiny like 60,000 people okay so for her sydney was just a massive shock and she got a job in queen vic in queen vic building in the in the city of of sydney yeah and it was just too much people the subway and people pouring out of the train station just really scared her like it, it was just coming from a small town quiet like some, something like you know 60,000 people I, I didn't even know if you have a city that small here and moving to sydney was just yeah a massive shock to her yeah um, she didn't like it at all it was just too hectic for her so that was another reason why we went somewhere small yeah that would have been a big big jump yeah because you you already had experience of sydney didn't you yeah yeah that's right so i spent the two years prior to that and and being from the capital was still not that big of a shock moving to sydney but from a smaller place like that i believe yeah which is something i didn't even think of at the time when we decided to move i was like oh yeah sydney's beautiful you'll love it and not not thinking that it might be a bit too much which it definitely was like even even now for me it was when i when i go to sydney to visit from here it just feels so hectic to me but what kind of jobs did you do here at the beginning so in sydney my first job was working in a car wash for hertz um yeah did that for i don't know maybe two months or something like that it was yeah not much money at all it was paid per car that i washed or something like that it was uh, i don't know if i earned 14 dollars an hour or something like that uh, <laughs> so that was pretty bad hence why we ran out of money very quickly there with the rental being so expensive and everything um and we just had to look for other solutions but yeah my when i moved to tasmania i got really lucky i got offered a job as a as a alarm technician in well more of like an apprenticeship sort of position where i get trained up to be a technician uh, but it was still a normal job with a semi-normal wage for start um and it had a it sounded like it had a better future so i i've just yeah i stayed into in that role for the last five years now and what was your um sort of working experience in macedonia i was a cigarette distributor so i was driving a van around and selling cigarettes to shops (laughs) um not for a very long time that was maybe about a year i did that then i worked as a electronics in in an electronics service store where we were repairing old uh electronics devices i guess that was the last job i had before we moved and i probably only worked there for six months or something like that not a very long time and after you left school did you do any other education or did you just jump straight into the workforce um no after i finished school i i had an attempt to finish a bachelor degree in sports um did only one year and didn't really it wasn't what i thought it was and i sort of gave up on that didn't like it that much and yeah and then went to the workforce right after that and that was my my first job was a cigarette distribution so I guess at that uh, that sort of age, you're just taking whatever jobs come your way, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. No experience. I didn't know what I wanted. The only thing I was good at was doing flips and parkour, so <laughs> I couldn't turn that into a job. Uh, or I did try, actually. I did start running classes and teaching kids how to do that. Um, okay. I did that uh, 
for years prior to that and I, I, I thought maybe I should start adding a charge to that it didn't really didn't really work out probably only had like three kids that were paying me and then the others would just join in and I was like yeah that's all right jump in then <laughs> um, I, I did it because I loved it yeah so it was more of a more of a, just a hobby that was more of a hobby yeah absolutely yeah. more of a hobby yeah well, it's maybe just timing too because um, kids are kids that are really into parkour these days. Yeah, I think they are. And, cool. and there was, well, when I went to Sydney, as I mentioned before, when I was running the classes in the in the stunt gym, we had a parkour class and a stunt class and I was I was learning how to be a stuntman as well at that, at the time there. Um, and there was quite a few kids. I probably had about three group of 30 kids uh, teaching uh, teaching them parkour. So yeah, a fair bit of kids uh, interested in it in in Sydney. That's for sure. I think there was probably I probably had about thirty or forty in, back in Macedonia as well. Yeah, but no, the problem I, I ran into with it was that parents wouldn't give their kids money to train something so dangerous. Mm. So they never approved of it. So most kids didn't even tell their parents they were training it, um, uh. and that's why I couldn't really turn it into a an income. I think as much as I would love to, <laughs> I was kept doing it for. for for years um and did competitions and won a competition actually uh, okay yeah um i was i was very good at it and i was one of the i don't know i was one of the first ones to start training it because when i when my parents took my rollerblades away um basically i was doing the same tricks and flips and stuff that i was doing with my rollerblades prior to that without knowing that they had a name so i was basically training parkour without knowing that it was parkour okay <laughs> and then maybe about three years later it became a thing and then me and my, my friend that were doing it were like oh it's got a name it's called parkour this is what it is um that's what we've been doing and it was really cool to be like we, we were definitely the pioneers of it in macedonia and i'm pretty sure in other countries too there was very little numbers of parkour when i started doing it there was probably less than 20 in the world that did it <laughs> and then it became a big big huge thing and you do you still keep your keep your hand in well i try i try and stay fit as much as i can there's just less time to do it now um you need to do it all the time in order to to be to that level um, and it's not like it's a 40-minute training session. It's more like a three- or four-hour training session, so there's no way you can have a full-time job, mortgage, kid, and everything else that I've got and train that. <laughs> yeah. It's too hard. Sometimes I'll occasionally do a little bit of flips here and there just for fun, but I wouldn't call it training. In Sydney, it was um, it was really good. Um, I learned a lot. There was a lot of people out there that were have been doing it for years um tony was the name of the uh, stunt coordinator the, um, he's been in heaps of movies and um, he's got a whole team of stunts so they do a lot of a lot of bigger stuff um and he managed to put me into the mad max movie 2016 okay as a stuntman so that was probably the most serious uh, role i've ever had as a stuntman and act- actually made proper money off it yeah but it, it just wasn't a, a constant income for me um and i couldn't really rely on it too much because it was just here and there um and had to sort of give up on that dream and just call it a hobby plus what you're doing what your job involves now um so basically what we do is we install security systems uh, camera systems um, electric fences access control smart homes anything to do with like low voltage cool stuff basically <laughs> that's like a interesting version of an electrician we do all the apps and stuff to control uh, gates and and houses and stuff like that anything you want really 
it's it's an interesting it's an interesting trade it's it's fun definitely fun and very yeah problem solving and is a big part of it so it's it's good for me because i can't really sit still so i uh, always running around doing different jobs here and there it keeps me occupied and it's not not boring i couldn't do an office job and what would you say are some of the biggest maybe cultural differences between macedonia and and here that general closeness you see between people there and people willing to help just generally you know, an, an old person walks into a bus, immediately a couple of people will stand up to make room for the older person. I don't see that happening that much here. I think people know about it, but choose not to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a little bit, I think more, generally the word would be more selfish. I think people are more selfish here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> as sad as that sounds. I think everyone's got their own problems to worry about, so they're a bit more switched off um and a lot of the times it's not even intentional it's just more yeah. because they're they're busier and it's it's just uh, it's a busier lifestyle i guess from many different perspectives like even even going to work it's you get paid by the hour so everyone's always looking at the clock and mm. sort of ah overtime or not overtime or whatever it is it's it's more uh, people are occupied with the time a lot more than they okay. are in macedonia and Macedonia generally wages are monthly. There's like a mm -hmm. set monthly wage and it doesn't really matter whether you finish early or you have a one hour lunch break or no one really looks at that and counts it and, and, and cares. So it's a little bit more uh, relaxed in that way. And you'll find a lot of people like, for example, someone that works in, in retail, they'll, if there's no people in the store, they'll just sit down and have a coffee in front of the shop and they'll just chill out. Whereas here, you, you you don't really see that. You'll you'll be made to do stock take or clean the windows or do something to keep you occupied to earn your hourly wage. But because it's a monthly wage over there, they're not really worried about those little percents of time where you don't do anything and you're not productive. So it's it's a bit slower paced, and I think that's probably why people are more aware and. Um, about the, their surroundings or about more people around them and what other people are going through whereas here that's where the the, the selfish thing came came comes in i think because everyone's just rushing somewhere or you know trying to pick up their kid from school or doing something and they're always occupied and therefore blind to all the people and struggles around them even like for example if i want to catch up with some friends or something here i would have to book it in like two weeks in advance whereas i've i've never even like called anyone in macedonia to hang out it's just like a thing or i'm bored i'm just going to go out and you either as a kid we used to just knock on doors there was no phones back then knock on everyone you, i used to know where everyone lived and just ring the doorbell and then we're two of us then two of us go to the next person and ring again and another kid comes out and an hour later it's 50 of us all out and playing games and doing stuff um here i think like kids will just stay in the backyard and jump on their trampoline it's not like you're gonna walk around and everyone that's around your age just pick them up from home and gather around and do a, a, a big game with 50 60 kids we used to do like hide and seeks and stuff there's hundreds of kids playing on the street hiding and uh, in teams and it's, it was just different very different I don't see that here at all. Or we'd ride bicycles together, like big numbers of kids would do it together and go somewhere. Yeah, here it's more just you have to book it in. <laughs> mm. So in like Macedonia, it's not like you, you don't need to make appointments to meet people. 
No, God no, just, no. It's, that's, it's that's every every suburb has their own like sort of gathering spot, if you will. Um, and whenever you're bored, you just walk out the door, walk, do the five minute walk to get there, and there's always a heap of people that are in the same position. They were just bored at home, didn't feel like watching TV, and they just walked out. And a lot of the times, everyone will. Another thing I've never seen people do here is everyone will just chip like chip in a little bit. Everyone will give out like a few dollars per person someone might not have so much or whatever it doesn't matter they'll put all the money together in a big pile and then they'll go and buy food and drinks and stuff and they'll just put it on the table for everyone to share yeah and it's just it's just nice to be a part of all that it feels like one big happy family yeah you, you, I've never ever seen that here and <laughs> I don't think I will do you sort of like sometimes miss not having that community around you oh absolutely yeah I know probably speak to my friends call them once a week and just have a chat yeah i feel like i can say anything and be myself with them um yeah i mean hopefully one day i'll i'll find you know i'll find friends here that will be equally as good as those ones that i've left there i guess um but yeah for now it just still i'm still getting used to it i think to that more quiet lifestyle but um Mm -hmm. it's there's prawns and cons in everything, I guess. I mean, uh, there's a really nice thing about this as well, like uh, about Tasmania and life here. We get to make our own decisions and make our own mistakes without any of my family members or friends telling me what's smart and what isn't smart and do mm-hmm. this or do that. No, I don't have any of that. So I think that's a really good thing. Uh, that's definitely made us grow as people, um, made us more independent and a lot more smarter about how we do things. And seeing like growing up there and and but well partially here as well is something you can't buy with money it's just experience that is uh so valuable because you've you've seen you've seen two entirely different places and you get to you get to form form your own opinion about what you know take take the best out of both worlds and um sort of compare ways that things are done there and ways that things are done here and choose which method you prefer and which method you like more and i think that's a a very very valuable thing you can never learn if you've only been in one country and have you got just one child or yes one one. daughter son son (laughs) marco Marco, yeah. and are you like raising him to speak Macedonian and know a bit about his um, so heritage? So we, we, we speak on Macedonian between me and my wife and he listens, but he he got sent to childcare when he was, I don't know, seven months old or something like that. And naturally spending eight hours or more like 10 hours a day in childcare, um, he started speaking English first. I think he understands Macedonian, um, but he doesn't speak it yet. But we tried to make it a little bit easier for him. He probably didn't speak at all until about the age of two. Um, and uh, the childcare we were in uh, were telling us that uh, normally, you know, if it's different two languages, they get confused. Kids get confused. Um, and then they sort of have a bit of a delay in their speech. So to help him out, we switched to English just for about a month. And then he immediately <laughs> started talking. So it was, they were definitely right. Um, it, we made it easier for him, but now he also knows that we understand English, so he just speaks English. <laughs> I, I'm hoping that as he gets older, he will start understanding Macedonian more um, and might even start speaking it when possibly when my parents come over or mm-hmm. when the more relatives come over that don't speak English. When you say you're to Australians, you're from Macedonia, what, what are their... 
or North Macedonia, Republic of North Macedonia, whatever you want to say. Um, well, how do they re- react to that? I've, I've been surprised by a few uh, older people where, where I've been installing some alarm systems and stuff. Um, probably about maybe two or three in five years have said, ah, Macedonia, ah, former Republic of Yugoslavia, it's here and there, Alexander the Great, this, that. And I'm like, oh, interesting that there's not a lot of people that know anything about the country. So when someone does, it's a, it's a pleasant surprise for me. But um, uh, but generally the, the reaction is um, interesting and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't think that a lot of them know where, where it is. And I've asked some of them, do you know where that is? And they just go... Um, somewhere in Europe, and I've even had a few people say Africa. Um, no, it's okay. not in Africa. Interesting, uh, uh, but it, it's yeah. Uh, but I guess it can that can be a good um, conversation starter in a way. If you can, it gives you something to talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, we generally all people that have come from somewhere don't really like those reactions to, to those sort of things because of um, it just it sort of reminds you that you don't fit in in a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also you, we're bored of the same thing over and over again because every single person you stop to, there's like, ah, oh, I hear an accent. Where, where are you from? And you just... <laughs> sort of feel like oh again same conversation again yeah i'm from macedonia yeah uh, my wife gets that more than i do i don't really have much of an accent due to the fact that i was three years old when i learned english so yeah but um i think yeah, you just get bored of re- re- repetitive it's very repetitive the same conversation over and over again with people i guess so it gets a bit boring to us because yeah. it's just it, almost every time you open your mouth, you you get the same sort of reaction. <laughs> not not that I mind. I'm not saying I'm, I, I mind it. It's just it's just yeah something we've already said a billion times. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think a lot of migrants have had that experience and can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> It's like, oh, no, this story again. <laughs> yeah. I moved here when I was three, and then I moved back to Macedonia. <laughs> oh, now, now I'm getting you to talk about it again. <laughs> yeah, and here we are again. Oh, my goodness. Now you need to say... Now I'll just say there's a podcast, listen to this. And you get my, get my life story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.